two sharper iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to the generous underwriters of Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information, and Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Friday, September 8th, we are studying Leviticus chapter 11, verse 1, through chapter 12, verse 8. In today's text, the Lord gives his people instructions in the distinction between clean and unclean, both in the matter of their diet and for a woman after childbirth. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us returning guest, Pastor Jason Schockman. Pastor Schockman serves at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Pastor Schockman, welcome back to Sharp Iron. Glad to have, glad to be back. I should say, not to not to have you back because I'm That's the right. guest. <laughs> I'm the host on this show. That's you have right. a podcast where you can be the host. I you do. Can be the guest today. <laughs> I do. I do. Shameless plug. That's ChristinAllThings.org. Very good. So, Pastor Shockman, we're in Leviticus 11 and 12 this morning. Give us some context. We're coming out of a narrative section of the book of Leviticus, back into more instruction. What should we know about Leviticus, that narrative section that'll help us with our text for today? Uh, From 30,000 feet, Leviticus is all about God connecting his people to his holiness and the means by which God is going to provide his holiness to his people. Like that, that's 30,000 feet, right? It's all about holiness and God connecting his people to his holiness. One of the few narrative sections, right? One of the only narrative sections in the entire book of Leviticus comes right before this discussion about clean and unclean food um, and about women being uh, uh, needing to be restored to clean after they have given birth. Um, and that narrative section is about Nadab and Abihu who are the sons of Aaron, who take it upon themselves to uh, act priestly in the tabernacle in, in ways God has not asked them to or told them to, and thereby they defile the holiness of the tabernacle by not doing the things God asked them to do, and they pay for it with their lives. Uh, And again, the whole point of the book, the whole point is God bringing his holiness to his people in these mediated ways so that the people can receive God's holiness and remain connected to him and his holiness as his people. All right. Well, so you can keep, keep going. That's fine. So f- for us, uh, that all, that all happens in Christ, who okay. then must be the one that fulfills all of these laws in Leviticus for us so that in him 
we receive the holiness that God intends these means to give. Does, does this make sense? So the book of Leviticus is all about Jesus. The Bible is all about Jesus. It is. Even Leviticus. That's right. Yeah, and we've seen that. We've seen that throughout. We've we've come through that section, chapters 1 to 7, that really detail all the sacrifices. Chapters 8, 9, and 10, where Aaron and his sons are ordained, installed as priests. The divine service is inaugurated. As you said, chapter 10 is where... The, those two sons of Aaron, they take it upon themselves. They act in an unauthorized way. We see what happens when people try to come into God's holiness apart from his mediation. And now we shift more to this discussion of clean and unclean, which is related to everything we've talked about. And we've seen the distinction between clean and unclean come up in Leviticus before, but never quite in the detail as we're going to encounter it starting in these chapters and the ones that follow. So can you give us a, a summary, an overview of what clean and unclean means, this distinction, and why it's important? Well, okay, so <laughs> that that's easier said than done. Um, that's why that, I asked you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, so why are—let's let's answer the question this way. Why are some clean and uh, some animals clean and some animals not clean? Um, and, and the answer to this is in that unclean things disrupt the work of God, both in the tabernacle and in the, the homes of the lives of his people. Uh, the Lord's table in the tabernacle, then, and the family tables around which families gather to eat are connected. They, they are linked and if you threaten the impurity, or if you threaten one by impurity, uh, then that that threatens the other, and God can't abide by that at His own table, uh, which threatening that impure or threatening the purity of God's table with our own impurity comes from um, the the death and chaos of the curse which has no place in God's house uh, or at the family table. And so it's not that these creatures are in and of themselves clean or unclean, but rather uh, the meat that, that comes from them becomes a means for the transmission of that which is impure or that which is clean. When, in an in an in a, in a way that is abusing the gift that God gave, um, or misplacing the gift that God gave, uh, for example, uh, pigs are not unclean in and of themselves. Pigs were an unfit animal as sacrifice because their meat was out of place at the table of the people. And this goes all the way back to the order of creation, where God gives the land for three classes of animals, right? The, the domesticated animals, the wild animals, and the swarming animals, or the creeping things that creep along the ground, right? Um, each had its God-given function. Each had its God-given 
place in creation, and domesticated animals were the only ones created to share with people in the sense of sharing the same food uh, as, or just sharing the same work as beasts of burden. It's also important to remember that the Israelites typically only ate meat at the great feasts. Right. Right? The, the meat from domesticated animals was primarily meat for the Lord's table. When they had the great feasts and the great sacrifices where, where the, the priests were then returning to the family a portion of what they had given to the Lord, and that was a gift to the family from the Lord from his table. God was sharing with them his holiness. And since the sanctuary was the proper place for the eating of that meat, then the standards governing the consumption of that meat carried over to the Israelite home. And so the family table in the home is connected as an extension of the Lord's table at the Lord's altar. Right Again, these, these sacrifices are a means by which God is sharing his holiness with his people. Hmm. So, and that's, I mean, when you think about the book of Leviticus, just in the ordering of the book of Leviticus, the fact that the sacrifices come first in chapters 1 to 7, that sets the standard for what the Lord sets at his table in his sanctuary. That has to come first, because it is by then extension that, well, what gets set on your table when you eat, it's going to be the same things that are fit for the Lord's table, and that very closely connects the two, even in just the way the book of Leviticus is ordered. Yeah, and and then Leviticus uh, chapter 11 gets broken out into three sections, one uh, from the second half of verse 2 over to verse 33, or 23, which talks about uh, edible meat and inedible meat, uh, then t- verses 24 to 40, which talks about the instruction about the impurity of carcasses of dead animals uh, and how those are to be treated. And then the last section is just 41 to 45, which is instruction about the consumption of meat from swarming land animals. That is those that go on their belly, uh, those that go on all fours, and those that have many feet. <laughs> I like that distinction, many feet. <laughs> and and it's in that last section then that the rationale for all this is given and not to not to fast forward too much but that really is the key in verse 44 where where God says I am the Lord your God consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy for I am holy that's yeah. the that's the rationale for what's going on as we go through these distinctions read all these animals that's really where we got to land at the end yeah in fact I would I would suggest uh if you're gonna if you're gonna read Leviticus, just to read Leviticus, like you gotta go from chapter eleven all the way through chapter fifteen as one section, right? Uh, because there, at the end of chapter fifteen, you get the therefore or the thus, right? Because I've said all of this, uh, you gotta catch this. So fifteen thirty one, and I'm gonna point us back here again later too. Uh, fifteen thirty one in the book of Leviticus. Uh, Thus shall you keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanliness or uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle that is in their midst. 
Like this, this is this is the whole point. Is the whole point of all the clean and unclean and what makes a person clean and what makes a person unclean and when is a mom clean and is it 40 days or 80 days? Well, it depends on if it's a boy or a girl will get there. Uh, the whole point is don't bring the that which is defiled into the house of God in order to defile the tabernacle, but rather receive from the holiness of the Lord in his tabernacle that which makes you clean, right? And you receive that first. It's a gift that's given. Yes, that's right. And that's we've, we've said that at multiple places in the book of Leviticus. God's holiness is a gift that he provides for his people, not something that we earn by our performance or by our taking of it in an unauthorized way, like we've seen from Nadab and Abihu, but rather a gift that he freely gives. So with that, let's go ahead and, and just let's read chapter 11, talk a little bit about this unclean and clean animals as the Lord lays it out here. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, These are the living things that you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. Whatever parts the hoof, and is cloven-footed, and chews the cud, among the animals you may eat. Nevertheless, among those that chew the cud or part the hoof, you shall not eat these. The camel, because it chews the cud but does not part the hoof, is unclean to you. And the rock badger, because it chews the cud and does not part the hoof, is unclean to you. And the hare, because it chews the cud but does not part the hoof, is unclean to you. And the pig, because it parts the hoof and is cloven-footed but does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. You shall not eat any of their flesh, and you shall not touch their carcasses. They are unclean to you. These you may eat of all that are in the waters, everything in the waters that has fins and scales, whether in the seas or in the rivers, you may eat. But anything in the seas or the rivers that has not fins and scales, of the swarming creatures in the waters, and of the living creatures that are in the waters, is detestable to you. You shall regard them as detestable. You shall not eat any of their flesh, and you shall detest their carcasses. Everything in the waters that has not fins and scales is detestable to you. And these you shall detest among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are detestable. The eagle, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, the falcon of any kind, every raven of any kind, the ostrich, the nighthawk, the seagull, the hawk of any kind, the little owl, the cormorant, the short-eared owl, the barn owl, the tawny owl, the carrion vulture, the stork, the heron of any kind, the hoopow, and the bat. All winged insects that go on all fours are detestable to you. Yet among the winged insects that go on all fours, you may eat those that have jointed legs above their feet, with which to hop on the ground. Of them you may eat the locust of any kind, the bald locust of any kind, the cricket of any kind, and the grasshopper of any kind. But all other winged insects that have four feet are detestable to you. And by these you shall become unclean. Whoever touches their carcass shall be unclean until the evening, and whoever carries any part of their carcass shall wash his clothes and become unclean until the evening. Every animal that parts the hoof but is not cloven-footed or does not chew the cud is unclean to you. Everyone who touches them shall be unclean. And all that walk on their paws among the animals that go on all fours are unclean to you. Whoever touches their carcass shall be unclean until the evening, 
and he who carries their carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. They are unclean to you. And these are unclean to you among the swarming things that swarm on the ground, the mole rat, the mouse, the great lizard of any kind, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the lizard, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. These are unclean to you among all that swarm. Whoever touches them when they are dead shall be unclean until the evening. And anything on which any of them falls when they are dead shall be unclean. Whether it is an article of wood, or a garment, or a skin, or a sack, any article that is used for any purpose, it must be put into water, and it shall be unclean until the evening, then it shall be clean. And if any of them falls into any earth where earthenware vessel, all that is in it shall be unclean, and you shall break it. Any food in it that could be eaten, on which water comes, shall be unclean. And all drink that could be drunk from any every such vessel shall be unclean. And everything on which any part of their carcass falls shall be unclean. Whether oven or stove, it shall be broken in pieces. They are unclean and shall remain unclean for you. Nevertheless, a spring or a cistern holding water shall be clean, but whoever touches a carcass in them shall be unclean. And if any part of their carcass falls upon any seed grain that is to be sown, it is clean. But if water is put on the seed and any part of their carcass falls on it, it is unclean to you. And if any animal which you may eat dies, whoever touches its carcass shall be unclean until the evening. And whoever eats of its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. And whoever carries the carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. Every swarming thing that swarms on the ground is detestable. It shall not be eaten. Whatever goes on its belly and whatever goes on all fours and whatever has many feet, any swarming thing that swarms on the ground, you shall not eat, for they are detestable. You shall not make yourselves detestable with any swarming thing that swarms, and you shall not defile yourselves with them and become unclean through them. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law about beast and bird and every living creature that moves through the waters and every creature that swarms on the ground to make a distinction between the clean, unclean and the clean and between the living creature that may be eaten and the living creature that may not be eaten. That takes us to the end of Leviticus chapter 11. You want to have some of, fun. You want to have some fun with your kids. Uh, go to the zoo and play clean or unclean. <laughs> That's right. right? That's a lot of animal taxonomy. Here. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And and so then so then right is that the point? Right. No. Uh, y- yes, you can go to the zoo with your with your pastor friends or with your theological nerd buddies uh, and and quiz each other on whether this animal or that animal is clean or unclean. Uh, I may or may not have actually done that. Um, <laughs> which we had, a, we actually had a lot of fun uh, discussing these things That's rather, right. r- rather openly and in public uh, at the Milwaukee Zoo, um, <laughs> which we may have gotten a few side eyes, right? Uh, doing that, mostly from our kids. Probably, yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it, I mean, it was funny, and it was fun, uh, and it made me go back and reread Leviticus again. Um, so, so he, but here's the thing: 
it is God's call to holiness that is the reason for all of the rulings here. All of it is because he is the Lord who is holy, who has brought us up out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, we are to be holy. And so these laws about beast and bird and every other living creature are about remaining in the holiness to which we are called, that we have been given, right? The people are not called to imitate God by generating holiness for themselves. They are called to receive the holiness of God, from God, through these means, therefore sharing in his holiness. And and that's what the chapter is about. It's not about a dietary plan. It's well, it, so okay, to to the It's not about a sanctified it's not about a sanctified weight loss program. Okay. So the the reason I mean, and this is this is one of the things that you will hear about the book of Leviticus sometimes is that the Lord, when he gave these distinctions, did so because, you know, to eat beef is inherently better for you than to eat pork. And while there might be some diseases that you could get from pork that you don't get from beef, really that's not the main point. The main point, as you're saying, is the holiness. And and this isn't something that we as Christians are going to say, oh, I'm going to, I don't know, does this exist? It probably does. The Leviticus 11 a diet? Probably is out there somewhere in in it's not even that it's Christianity. Not the, yeah, it's not even that it's not the main point. It's not the point. Period. It's just not the point, right? I mean, honestly, I don't think that the Israelite diet or, or the the diet of the people of Israel was all that different from the diet of the rest of the Canaanites that lived in the land, except maybe pigs, right? Right? I don't think their diet was all that different. I don't think that was the point. Um, this is God providing specific rules for the Israelites so that they could live as his holy people in this land God had promised to give to them, that they would be his guest at his meals that he would provide from his sanctuary to keep them holy, hmm. right? That they would be, so then maybe we needed to find the term holy, right? How would you do that? They are, they are those people who are set apart. Hmm. They are set apart for a purpose. For what purpose? For the purpose of revealing God to the nations, right? A light to the nations. Hmm. To reveal you to the nations, right? This is what Israel was supposed to be in the Old Testament. They were supposed to be God's holy people living amongst unholy people in the world in such a way that they reflected God's holiness, that they reflected God himself to the world. So they were to be a light to the nations, Hmm. Where do we hear that kind of language in our in our life together? The uh-huh. well, I mean, Jesus calls himself the light of the world, uh-huh. and, and we hear he, that ascribed. He does, to him. 
a number but, of places. But there's but someone that, else who refers to Jesus as a light to reveal you to the nations. Well, and Simeon says that oh, too. Oh, yeah. Right. Simeon, the high priest, or the, one of the priests, right, who is there the day that Jesus is brought in for circumcision, uh, the same time that Mary comes uh, to prepare for the rite of purification. Right? This, you see maybe why, why 12 connects with 11 now? Okay, we're getting there. We're uh, getting there. Yeah. So he here's the here's the other part, right? It's not that this Israelite diet is so much makes you so much more uh, healthy or strong or um, you, you know uh, holy. It's it's not the physical aspects of this dietary of these dietary restrictions that God is stressing. It's the spiritual. It's the theological reason. Um, this is this is why there are some differences when it comes to carcasses, because some of these dead animals still had blood in them, and the blood was the life blood. They weren't supposed to eat the blood. That was that was God making clear that He is the source of life, not the forces or living forces inside of these animals. Uh, and so, instead uh, of of opening the door to that attempt to gain supernatural power by the blood of beasts, right? Uh, instead, they are, the people of Israel are, uh, contracting life-stealing impurity from the blood of these beasts. And so the Israelites were to shun everything that belonged to the realm of death, to the cult of death, they were to rejoice in the gift of life that God provides and the holiness that he provides through the specific means that he gives it to them. Therefore, uh, pigs are, are forbidden because its meat is commonly used in pagan cults in the pagan cults of the death gods, or, or uh, we see it also, you pigs also used frequently uh, with the goddesses of fertility in the Canaanite area where right. the promised land is. Right. So God is setting his people apart to receive his holiness in these means that they might reflect him to the world. All right, so that's a good foundation for us to look at the rest of Leviticus 11 and jump into chapter 12 as well. We'll do that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking to Pastor Jason Shockman this morning. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Who does Lutheran Church Extension Fund serve, you ask? It's simple. We serve Lutheran Church Missouri Synod ministries and church workers with loans and ministry services. And it's faithful Lutherans like you, church members and church workers alike, 
investing with LCEF that makes it possible for LCEF to serve these ministries. Learn more at lcef.org. LCF is a nonprofit religious organization. Therefore, LCF investments are not FDIC insured bank deposit accounts. This is not an offer to sell investments or solicitation to buy. LCF will offer and sell its securities only in states where authorized. The offer is made solely by LCF's offering circular. Investors should carefully read the offering circular, which more fully describes associated risks. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Friday, September 8th. We're studying Leviticus chapter 11, verse 1 through chapter 12, verse 8 with Pastor Jason Schockman. He serves at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Pastor Schockman, we're talking about chapter 11, the distinction between clean and unclean. You're making a great point that this is not about dietary, what is good for you physically. This is about the Lord's holiness being given to you. And I think, you know, if... If there ever were any dietary, physical benefits that the people of Israel did receive, it was, again, not because the animal itself was clean or unclean, but it was because they were listening to the Lord's Word. <laughs> they, were, they were receiving all benefits through faith. And I think, ultimately, when you look at this list of animals, as you've been pointing out with the pigs and its u- their use in certain pagan sacrifices, when you look at the list of birds and the fact that a lot of the birds that are listed are those that are eating other meat, right? they're consuming that blood, right? you can see some of those lines to draw through all of that. But ultimately, it's the Lord's Word that tells you, this is clean, this is unclean. Use the clean, not the unclean, because that's His holiness being given to you rather than you establishing some kind of holiness on your own. That was the negative example of Nadab and Abihu. Here's how you avoid that, at least in the matter of meats. Right. That was actually really well said, right? Oh. That, that, that's really important. Uh, I want to I take us, though, um, I want to take us, so full disclosure, uh, last year I did a Bible study with my youth group, through the book of Leviticus. And my question for them every week was, how does Jesus show up in this text? All right. So how does Jesus show up in Leviticus chapter? All right. So here we go. Uh, We're going to start by running actually to Mark chapter seven. Uh, Here in Mark chapter seven, Jesus says, uh, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? since it enters not into his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus Jesus declared all foods clean. So, it is, it is God who, in Leviticus, is telling his people, this is how I'm mediating my holiness to you. In the New Testament, it is Jesus telling God's people, it is your hearts that need to be cleaned, and I am the one who does that. Yeah. Right? So in that way, Jesus fulfills Leviticus chapter 11. He makes all food clean for God's people. It's not what goes into the body that defiles the body. It's what comes out of the heart. And what comes out of the heart is what comes out of the mouth. Right? So... People, watch what you say, uh, people do not share God's holiness by eating consecrated meat. 
Rather, we share in God's holiness by faith in receiving the very body and blood of Christ who makes us holy. Again, we receive first. Uh, Again, uh, Acts chapter 9, Peter sees this vision of the meat of animals that were common, that were ritually unclean, and, and God tells him, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter goes, uh, uh, I ain't going to eat no, no, no unclean thing. Yeah, idiot. Um, God, God shows Peter in this the gospel, that he has cleansed the hearts of the people, even Gentiles, as well as Jews, who believe in him that they could eat from the same table as members of the same holy people. It didn't matter what the food source was. God was the giver. And they could, re- they could rejoice in what God had given. Uh, and then, again, in Romans 14, Paul argues that by itself, unclean meat does not desecrate those who are in Christ. All food is treated as food. All the regulations of Leviticus then foreshadowed the work of Christ who brings his holiness to us. Our purity, our holiness isn't ours to generate. It is received from Christ by faith in him and then reflected in our love for one another. Um, one, one more, uh, Paul also says uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Verse 21, uh, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot share in the Lord's table and the table of demons. This is not simply, this verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 21, it is not simply about eating a particular kind of meat, but the involvement of the people in the demonic in the idolatrous worship that is incompatible with the participation at the holy table of the Lord. And, and the next several chapters, right, 13, 14, 15, a little bit of 12, um, are going to get into that. You, you cannot, you cannot participate in, in an idolatrous worship and and at the holy table of the Lord at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think the, the connection that we were making earlier about, so the seeing the Lord's table at the tabernacle then extended to the family table for the people of Israel, well, what does the Lord's table have on it now? Not bulls, goats, rams, but the body and blood of Jesus. So use that same idea then. Well, if that's what the Lord's table is set, how does that affect my family life, right? And so then it is a very extensive thing that, that okay, if I'm going to partake of the body and blood of the Lord at his table in the divine service, then that's going to influence the way that I live in my at my family table in a variety of ways, but not in what's sitting there on my plate for me to consume. That's just not a part of the clean and unclean anymore. Right. Because Christ has fulfilled it, yeah. right? And, and, and therefore, he is the one that gives us all that the food regulations were supposed to give us because he's the one that's done it right, perfectly, 
and completely, which means um, pork, the other white meat, uh, we're allowed to eat it. That's right. And, and, and Pastor Apple, you know what goes good with bacon. <laughs> what goes good with bacon, Pastor Shockman? More bacon. More bacon. Fantastic. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Right. Because because the, the final sacrifice has been made by our Lord Jesus Christ. It is his body and blood that is on the table. He has fulfilled and has given us his holiness. Yes. And so all foods, that which goes into our mouth, are declared clean yeah. in all those passages, as you, you mentioned from the New Testament. Yep. Right. So yeah. shellfish. I like shrimp. I, sure. I do. It's good. Bacon-wrapped shrimp is even better. And now we're allowed to eat it. That's right. That's right. right. Because Christ has fulfilled Leviticus chapter 11. And and more places that we will see as these things come up. But that's going to be the, the basis for chapter 11 and going forward when it comes to, to clean and unclean. And again, that's where, you know, verses 44 and 45 of chapter 11 are so key beyond anything else the Lord your God, He is your God, be holy as He is holy. And again, not that you perform that holiness, but that you receive that holiness from Him as a gift. Receive well, it right here in His Word. I mean, that's the point, right? Be holy as the Lord your God is holy, as I am holy. And and any sinner in their right mind, any person in their right mind, looks at that command and goes, there's just no way. You're right. There isn't. But if God declares you holy, then it's not up to you, right? Then it's, then it's a matter of what are you receiving? Yeah. And, and right. by what means are you receiving it? Because he's, he's prescribed means for us to receive his holiness. He did it here in the Old Testament. He did it through Christ in the New Testament. And we, the church, who live in him, receive that same holiness. Yeah. All Slightly right. so, different means. So the matter of receiving the Lord's holiness and receiving that which is clean and not that which is unclean is a huge part of chapter 11, and that thought continues then into chapter 12. That is the, a connection that we can make, even though it seems that the topic shifts a little bit, the situation in life shifts, but that same thought about what is clean, what is unclean, what disrupts the, the life of the community, what would disrupt the holiness of God in his tabernacle, those are the thoughts that we're going to keep thinking about as we move now into Leviticus chapter 12. Here's the text. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a woman conceives and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days. As at the time of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Then she shall continue for thirty-three days in the blood of her purifying. She shall not touch anything holy, nor come into the sanctuary, until the days of her purifying are completed. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean two weeks, as in her menstruation. And she shall continue in the blood of her purifying for sixty-six days. And when the days of her purifying are completed whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb a year old for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering, and he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. 
This is the law for her who bears a child, either male or female. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. That's the rest of the text. That takes us through the end of Leviticus chapter 12. All right, Pastor Shockman. so it seems a, a bit of an abrupt transition, yet there are connections. We're talking about a woman who's given birth, differences between male and female children. Help us into what's going on here in chapter 12. I wish I could make better sense of it other than to say that's what it says. Yeah. Right? Uh, I mean, this, this chapter, again, deals with being clean and being unclean. It deals with impurity after a, a giving birth and being restored to purity. Uh, if she gives birth to a male, uh, her, her period of quarantine or social isolation lasts 40 days. If she gives birth to a female, it lasts for 80 days. No reason. We, scripture doesn't give us a reason. just says this is what it is. Uh, the, the simplest solution is that 40 and 80 days are customary lengths of time for ritual transitions. You think of 40 days that Jesus was in the wilderness. You think of 40 years that Israel wandered in the wilderness. Uh, you think of uh, 40 days and 40 nights that the rains came down and the floods came up for Noah. Yeah. Um, it's a allotted time. That, that's what we know. Sure. Uh, at the end of that allotted time, though, the woman could offer up a lamb as a burnt offering or turtle dove or pigeon as a sin offering. And then the mother could also attend the circumcision of her son. On the eighth day after his birth, she would be allowed to, even even though, even though she had 33 more days of being unclean, she was allowed to attend the circumcision of her son. This is pretty significant. Well, so here's, here, when it comes to, and I, I'll, just a, a, a bit of a clarification, because I do think there's a, a bit of ambiguity as to what happens after the those for for the male the seven days on the eighth day and then for the the fee, for the girl two weeks she's declared unclean for that first part and mm -hmm. then there's that rest of the time of her purifying where she's it seems there's a little bit of ambiguity I don't know that she's like unclean as as she is in the first part if that makes sense she's not allowed to go you know into the sanctuary and to touch holy things but there's a, a bit of ambiguity in that what the 33 days or the 66 days in that case if that does that make sense yes because that's that's the time of her purifying right but um, she's not as fully unclean as she was in the first week or or two weeks male or female pres presume yeah it, it would appear to be so why i don't know yeah i'm not sure why that is but that's right. there's some ambiguity there in that in that but period but yeah. that's what God said. And as right. you pointed out earlier, uh, are we going to trust his word and believe it's true, therefore act accordingly, or are we going to deny that his word is true and do our own thing? Thank you, Nadab and Abihu. Yeah. 
I don't want to be like Nadab and Abihu. I kind of like living in the presence of a community and knowing that God is in the midst of that community. Unlike Nadab and Abihu who just died. You know, let's not do that. Um, That's right. Sorry, I, I interrupted you. So, okay, so at the end of... Okay. You were making the point, though, that she gets to, for the case of the male child, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. woman is to attend the circumcision of her son on the eighth day. Yeah, yeah. Why? What's what's going on here? Right? He is, he, he is then, her son is being established as a beneficiary of the covenant promises of God to Abraham. He's a member of the liturgical community. He could participate in the, the, the blessed life of those who were receiving God's holiness. Um, and, and that circumcision also calls on him, the son, to be one through whom God would potentially carry out his promise to Abraham to bless the nations. Uh, and so in keeping in keeping this um, this circumcision practice it it's it's there's so, there's a few things going on one uh, i think god is trying to keep in the forefront of the of the minds of the mothers the promise that he made to eve hmm. right the the curse that he spoke to the serpent that through the offspring of the woman, the serpent's head would be crushed. Here's the promise, front and center, right? Abram, through you, through you, Abraham, the father of many nations, I'm going to bless everybody, right? And this is the sign that, that this too has been set apart by God for a purpose to keep the deli- to keep his promise delivered uh, no no pun intended um, right uh, and so at the end of the time of, of her purification the woman would offer up a lamb and a turtle dove um, but before that she was allowed to be there when her son, if it was a boy, was brought into the shared life of the promises of God to his people. That's kind of huge. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, so let's, I mean, and then the other, the other thing that hasn't been mentioned yet is that when it comes to the end of her time of purification, whether at the end of 40 or 80 days, depending on, on male or female, then there's the, the two offerings that are given. And, and we have this note that we've encountered before in the book of Leviticus. If you can't afford a certain animal to sacrifice, the Lord provides for a less expensive animal, to, again, to include all of his people in his gift of holiness. And I think mm-hmm. that's one thing, again, that we need to see in this section, because it, it seems in our day and age we're prone to look, oh, why is a woman singled out here? And especially if she's got a female child, it seems like the Lord is is hating on 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 the female sex. No, he's not. He's again providing for his holiness to be delivered to his people 
to the women who have given birth, he's providing for the holiness to be given, and even the poorest ones have that that gift of holiness from the Lord. I mean, I think we just have to make sure we have the have our minds right when we look at a text like this, so we don't approach it with our sensibilities are going to look at it the wrong way and in, instead receive it as the gift that God intends it to be. You mean you mean we're going to try to reason it out and not just receive it? We should receive it. I think. Yeah, yeah. So this is so. Good. How, what what does Jesus do? How does Jesus keep this? Okay, for, that's that's right. So we need to go right, to Luke two there. here. Yeah, 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 we need to go to Luke two for that. Yep. Luke two twenty one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jesus is circumcised the eighth day after his birth. Uh, Jesus, Jesus. This is this is kind of huge, right? Being circumcised on the eighth day after his birth, Jesus takes his place in the line of the covenant promise. Jesus becomes all of Israel boiled down to one man. One son of God in the place of all the sons of God. And by his fulfillment of this law, all people are then circumcised once and for all in the heart. And it's Christ who then enters into the covenant that God made with Abram and receives the blessings that were promised to him, and he then gives them to us all. Uh, Colossians 2, right? We got to maybe keep going. Colossians 2, verses 11 and 12. Uh, I actually have these written down. I don't just know them right off the top of my head, so don't think I'm that good. Um, I'm really not. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians ruffling through my Bible. Uh, Colossians 2, chapter 11, or verse 11 and 12, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So you are connected to Christ's circumcision because you are baptized into his life and death and resurrection, right? This, this supernatural act, this, this circumcision not done by human hands is enacted. Uh, one of John Kleinig's words is envisaged. Love that word. It is seen, it is lived out in baptism. In baptism, the whole body of the flesh is put off by burial with Christ and by resurrection with him. So all baptized believers then are members of the one body of Christ. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 gets into that, right? Uh, And those then who undergo this circumcision are qualified to participate in the service of God uh, by by the holiness they have received from the Son in relation to the Father as he gives it, by the work of the Spirit as he applies it. That's kind yeah. of big. That's huge. That's huge. So this baptism that, that now applies the work of Christ, and that is for both male and female. The Old Testament circumcision was only for male. Right. So it, we've got the fulfillment of, of Christ in the matter of the circumcision that's mentioned there in Leviticus 12. Now in terms of the purification of the mother... 
that's where Luke continues then in his account. So Luke 2, verse 21, if you've ever attended a New Year's Day service that observes the circumcision of Christ, that one verse is the entire gospel reading. Because then after that, Luke moves to the 40th day after Jesus is born. And that's where we get to Simeon, to Anna. You mentioned this earlier. We've got about three minutes here on the morning. Pastor Shockman, help us to see how that event points us to the fulfillment of Leviticus 12. Wrap things up. you got three minutes. Go. The circumcision of Jesus is celebrated, as you mentioned, by the church eight days after celebrating his birth, January 1st. On that day, the church prays for the true circumcision of the Spirit in our lives, so that by the heart, by, by the work of the Spirit, the hearts of the faithful may be pured, or pure from all sins and all evil desires. And then on February 2nd, 40 days after we celebrate the birth of Christ, it is noted as the, the celebration of the purification of Mary uh, for the, the day that is marked as the presentation of the Lord. On that day, the church prays for the cleansing that Christ alone delivers, so that like Mary, the people of God may be brought to and presented before Christ, and by him cleansed of all impurity, and that with clean hearts we may live in his holiness. Uh, All of this is lived out in the life of the church yet today. You know, when we talk about Simeon, when we talk about him holding Christ and saying, uh, now, Lord, let your servant depart in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes have seen the salvation which you prepared in the sight of every people, a light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. Right? That, that, that moment that happens at Jesus' circumcision is, is telling that all of this Leviticus stuff has been fulfilled in Christ. He is doing all the things that, that the people of that the Israelites were meant to do as they lived in this life of receiving the holiness of God, which they didn't do. At least not very well. Uh, and, and so Christ becomes the one who accomplishes it all. When he says on the cross, it is finished. I think it's more than just your redemption is finished. He is accomplishing all that God intended his people to be and to do for you. So when we sing that song of Simeon, regardless of when we sing it, because by the way, we also, as the church, sing together that song of Simeon. Now, Lord, you let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled at funerals. We've had a few of those around here, St. Paul's, this summer, and some of them have been kind of tough. Um, but, but we are continually drawn back to Christ, who is the life of all the living, to Christ, who is the death of death, our foe, to the one who has fulfilled all of the things that God gave to his people that they might receive his holiness. And it is through Christ that we receive forgiveness, life, and salvation. What more could we need? 
Pastor Jason Schockman serves at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. He has been helping us today to study Leviticus 11, verse 1 through chapter 12, verse 8. Pastor Schockman, thanks for being our guest today. Very welcome. Glad to be here. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions about Leviticus 11 and 12, send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. It's always a joy to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again next week.